Welcome to Taking Notes with NextGen Venture Partners, where we have interesting conversations with entrepreneurs and innovators in the NextGen investing ecosystem. I'm your host, Dan Mindis. We hope you enjoy the discussion. My guest today is Michael Statton. Michael is an EdTech entrepreneur turned EdTech VC, turned back into an EdTech entrepreneur. Michael asked himself the question, what should school look like in an era of remote work for adults and an explosion of digital learning resources for kids? Uh, And the answer is Colearn, where he's the co-founder and CEO and where NextGen Venture Partners is an investor. Uh, We're excited by Michael's vision for the future and its impact on how students learn. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Michael, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Dan. Appreciate the work you're doing at NextGen. Likewise, right back at you. Let's start with the work you're doing. Tell us the origin story of CoLearn and also the name CoLearn. Where'd that come from? Sure. I spent about a decade as an education technology venture capitalist. So I was investing in early stage ed tech companies. And as part of that work, I started getting asked by more and more parents my thoughts about what kinds of technology they should be using with their kids. And more often than not, it was a parent who had recently chosen to homeschool their kids or was thinking about it. And as those questions started ramping up, I actually got invited to keynote an ed tech conference that was hosted by a homeschool association here in the San Francisco Bay Area. And basically, it was an amalgamation of lots of ed tech entrepreneurs and their offerings and parents who were either customers or users or enthusiasts. And it was a great event. And at that event, one of the things that parents said pretty loud and clear is they don't like calling it homeschool. They're not at home and it's not school. One of the parents said it felt like co-working has become a thing. You know, before co-working, before co-working spaces and the idea of co-working, you were just either a contractor or unemployed or you were a small business. And then suddenly you were doing something hip and cool. And so the parent asked the question, when is co-learning going to become a thing? When are we going to start calling this what it is, which is co-learning rather than homeschooling? And of course, like, uh, I guess, like an opportunistic entrepreneur, I went and got a domain name and started thinking about ideas and started spending time with these parents, understanding how they operate and and what their needs are and what their challenges are and where the opportunities might be. And then I basically sat on it for a while. (laughs) And I, late 2019, because I was thinking about wanting to be an entrepreneur again. And as the pandemic was kicking in, it became pretty clear that this is going to be a very unique moment in basically all of world history to rethink what learning outside of school can be, rethinking what school could be using virtual and hybrid models of school, and really actually getting kids are already kind of used to it, but but certainly their parents and families as a whole used to this idea of really integrating various clickable curriculum, technology, interactive, adaptive curriculum, multimedia, really, really going digital full throttle and experiencing school as a series of experiences with different kinds of technology and different kinds of media, as opposed to going from butt and seat, butt and seat, classroom to classroom. So yeah, 
right as the pandemic was kicking in, we went full throttle on this. I was lucky enough to meet an old friend of mine again who wanted to be co-founder CTO, and we got to work. What are the key elements of Kohler now? If you're a parent, you're a student, what are you seeing? What are you experiencing? So the interesting thing from my perspective is we've decided to go ahead and, and rebuild public virtual charter schools from the ground up, or at least create a new model of virtual <laughs> public charter schools. And so we have a live virtual charter school in the state of Arizona called the Colern Academy. And our ambition is to take that to as many states as possible as we iterate on the model and, and make sure that it's highly successful and helps kids achieve academically and thrive as, as individuals and developing humans. But we have what we think is a relatively unique point of view on how to build the underlying technology platform. So we hope to build what would essentially be a real-time weekly and daily dashboard for parents to set their kids up with the different interactive curriculum that they are choosing. They could also do workbook curriculum or do project-based learning or nature-based learning or service-based learning, depending on what their preferences are. But they really kind of choose what their preferences are with their kids. And then we set them up with a dashboard where they can set their kids up on a week-by-week -week basis and see what they're up to on a day-to-day -day basis and assure that they're making progress towards curriculum goals and mastery and assessment goals. And the way that we are building it is we hope to offer this tool. We're trying to build kind of a, a planner on steroids. So if you want to imagine it, think of it as like a Pinterest meets Trello, where Trello is, is one of the leading, if not the leading Kanban board, drag and drop team productivity tools. Well, Trello doesn't really exist for families. And we want to offer that Trello-like tool to any parent that wants to use it DIY. And the idea is to kind of layer in some pre-created sequences and pathways, pre-created content, and then also some value-added services on top of it, and then call that a club and allow parents to join any co-learn club, as well as decide to upgrade full-time into our academy, our co-learn academy. You were a school teacher, then you were an ed tech entrepreneur, you, you know, built virtual learning companies, you spent a, a number of years investing in those kinds of companies. And over that period of time, there were some sort of pedagogical principles that emerged as, I think, important to you. And so what are those and how are they embedded in co-learn? Sure. Well, actually, as a teacher, you know, I was one of those teachers, and I think a lot of young professionals really in any field and any profession are like this, which is they read a lot of books <laughs> about best practices and get a lot of good ideas about how to do their work better, and then go in and try to apply them. And one of the principles that I found about human motivation is, and I think Daniel Pink later came out with a book, Drive, which synthesized it pretty well. This idea of autonomy or of agency or of being able to make your own decisions. 
students tend to be more motivated to do things when they feel like they have a choice in the matter. And those choices can be actually pretty simple. So one pretty simple choice to offer kids is a pretty limited choice architecture where if you're teaching a particular lesson or a unit of some defined content where, you know, it's like they learn this, then they can take a quiz and make an A on the quiz. Generally, there's some kind of activity that the learner does, the student does to engage with that material and make sure that they understand it and help them encode that material so that's committed to memory and help them synthesize that material and integrate it into things that they already know. And even offering kids a limited choice architecture around, well, you can do this worksheet or you could do the questions in the back of the book, or you could write a little one-page learning journal, right? And letting them choose can actually substantially increase motivation. Another thing that's actually been really hard to do within the construct of school where you go to class every day and, you know, from 8.15 to 9.10, you're in pre-calc is actually just the choice of when to do things. Like when are you motivated to tackle a particular subject matter? And so one of the things that we're working towards with CoLearn Academy, and we already do a pretty good job on this, is when you want to go tackle different subject areas, different parts of the curriculum, and different activities is pretty much up to the parent. And then the kid can work with the parent and talk to them about their plan for the week or their plan for the day and and have influence over that. Michael, you mentioned that you're live in Arizona. How did you get parents and kids to sign up? We were pretty blessed. I, I thought we were going to need to up our marketing game and have really great design and really great website and enrollment funnel and and all that but actually we just had info sessions and invited parents from the homeschooling community to those info sessions and we found that what we were offering as a public school was very very attractive to parents and really it spread by word of mouth and the word of mouth was focused on a few value propositions so first is it's free. <laughs> it's a public school. It's free, just like going to your neighborhood public school. Second is, as a parent, you're still very much in charge of selecting your curriculum choices and choosing right fit, challenge level, media, even things like my kid likes learning math on Prodigy Game, which is kind of a competitive math program over, let's say, Freckle right? These kinds of choices do matter to parents and they do matter to kids. And just giving them the feeling that they have that choice, we found is really, really powerful. The second thing is we were offering a community of other parents and we were telling parents, and we have done this, that we're treating them as if they're professional teachers. They get the same kind of professional development they get the same kind of teacher training and content that professional teachers would get. And so we engage with them like they not only do they know what they're doing, but they want to know how to do it better. And so we run professional development workshops with our parents about various topics, the most recent of which was metacognitive strategies using note-taking, for instance. There's some elements of what you're doing that rhyme with Coursera. You're an investor in Coursera. 
which is tackling higher ed, whereas you're going after K-12. But tell folks how you see Coursera, how you explain the success they've seen, and then to what degree that overlaps with what you're doing. Sure. Yes. Well, we hope to be like Coursera. So Coursera's business model that has been driving a lot of growth is actually they're an online degree provider. They work with colleges and put, generally speaking, master's degrees, though I'm sure they're expanding that as well. And they offer those online. The difference is that Coursera has a, I guess, a funnel or they have a a really, really large user base that engages with their free content and understands the Coursera experience because they can log in and use it for free. And then they have offerings at different price points and different levels of commitment. So if you are willing to put in extra effort and take essentially quizzes and tests and verify that you are you and you're willing to pay between 50 and $100, you can do a certified course. If you want to do a sequence of courses to demonstrate some kind of thematic mastery, you can do a specialization. You can also fully enroll in a degree, including potentially get financial aid. And you can do all that on the same platform with the same experience. So people know what they're getting. And in addition, because Coursera has a free version that they worked really hard on, they're able to have, at this point, I think it's 45 million users that have already demonstrated what their academic interests are, what level of study they're pursuing, often indicated where they are and which universities they have an affiliation with or or like or would prefer to see content from. And so that gives Coursera a really, really huge advantage in growing their full-time degree programs. And there is no equivalent right now in K-12 for a full-time virtual school that offers a free experience and a reduced cost experience. Basically, every full-time virtual school has to do marketing the typical way. They just do digital marketing, right? And so it's hard to, I think, differentiate that way in marketing virtual schools to parents. What's the lesson that you're taking from that and how you're planning on building GoLearn? Well, the first is to offer something of value that is free, that has the ability to grow, like a typical kind of consumer internet startup might be able to grow, which is you just see if you have product market fit with something, you can just grow the number of users you have using your platform, right? And then the other thing is to offer smaller bite sizes so people can kind of work their way into the full experience. So as I was talking about earlier, we hope to offer a club model version, which you can think of as like a supplemental education or after school program or assistance with one or two areas of study, maybe an extracurricular topic or a passion or interest that your kid has that you want them to advance on that and and work hard on it and use the best digital tools available to help them with it. So what would you say to parents who are not homeschoolers, who might even be scared of that notion, who could say, oh gosh, some of these digital tools sound pretty interesting. Parent workshops sounds pretty interesting, right? The one-on-one virtual tutoring that you offer to students, that sounds interesting. How do you see 
people potentially over time getting over the hump from sending your kid to a physical school building every day somewhere to potentially an increasing number as the co-learners with their children. Sure. So we don't have to be for everybody right now. I feel like there are a lot of folks who have been sending their kid to a great school. And if their kid needed help with anything or got interested in anything, they could match them to a tutor or mentor. And that has worked out great for them. And this is not going to be the kind of service uh, or set of services that's immediately interesting to, to that kind of family that has been well served by the educational opportunities in their community and in their networks. But there are quite a large number of parents who have a kid that gets interested in something or develops a talent for something, and they don't exactly know how to feed that interest or feed that passion or develop that talent. Uh, and what you might have done in the past is asked around for a local tutor or teacher that could meet after school. Well, now there are actually a lot of curriculum programs online, you know, just with like learning piano alone, there's like 15 to 20 to choose from. And some of them are good for different ages. Some of them are good if you want them to learn more classical styles of music or want them to learn how to read music in real time. Some of them are more like learn to use a drum machine on your digital keyboard and kind of work your way into <laughs> becoming a DJ. <laughs> So anyway, there are lots of options. So if you have some assistance in choosing the right fit for you, we hope to be able to help with that. And then if you want to make sure that your kid is using the different digital tools that you've created accounts for them on, set them up with, and they're using them with consistency and discipline, and they're advancing, they're developing that talent or interest. That's a way where the CoLearn Club platform would be useful outside of school for parents who are more or less well-served by their school environment, but they're looking for ways to improve or streamline supplemental education or extracurricular education. You're still in the early stages of this journey, just launched maybe a couple of months ago, even less, the first academy in Arizona. But if you were to look further down into the future, the 10-year vision, the 20-year vision, what do you see for CoLearn? The 10 to 20 year version of the vision is to have a free virtual public school that makes a really fantastic virtual school experience available to any family that wants it, despite their socioeconomic condition. And to scale that to as many states as possible, if they are possible in 24 states, And we hope to be in 24 at least. And I'm sure the regulatory environment will shift in some places towards this, in some places maybe away. We'll see. And then the second would be to make a pretty seamless experience that any family can benefit from where you can go on, you can put some basic information about your kids. And based on that pretty basic information, you can see all kinds of digital services that they might benefit from and have the kind of enriching experience around those digital experiences in a club format that really increases the likelihood that your kids and your whole family like benefit from those enriching experiences. 
what has COVID and the rise of adults working from home done to your view of the future? So if you were paying attention to the future of work before COVID, you knew in the long view that how often you needed to go into an office to be effective at work was certainly going to be in question. And you could also sense that companies were trying to create offices in other cities that were lower costs, maybe where the lower cost of living could be lower, or even have like expansion sites like outside of the city for those living in the suburbs or whatever. So you could see this trend coming where parents were going to have the option of being at home with their kids quite a bit more. And when that is the case, many parents will be very excited for their kids to go to school every day. But there will be quite a few parents in the millions of them, actually, that would like to have their kids at home more and like to use that opportunity to spend more time with their kids rather than less. And so it was really clear that as COVID was really kicking in and lockdown was happening and basically the whole the entire knowledge worker class globally shifted to remote work and companies had to figure out how to make that work for them, that remote work was going to create a need for a new kind of virtual school that had pretty extraordinary flexibility in terms of when kids tackle different kinds of work uh, and got things done. And also highly leveraged the fact that the parent is fully present, right? And made it so that parents could be more or less fully engaged with what their kids are learning, the ability to help them when they need it, the ability to engage in enriching discussions or pursue different kinds of what's often called enrichment experiences. So things that build on the things that you're learning at school. And I don't think that most schools have that level of parent communication, parent engagement, parent agency. And I think that there's a real opportunity right now as people are starting to go back to work to offer something different that really resonates with the kinds of families that are seeing remote work and more flexible relationships with office work as an opportunity to spend more time together. Michael, thanks so much for joining me today. Sure. Cool. Thanks for listening to Taking Notes with NextGen Venture Partners. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. To learn more about us or to hear all of our past podcasts, please go to nextgenvp.com. And now for some important disclaimers. The information contained in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to purchase any securities. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Any performance or projections contained herein may be significantly affected by future events. Any opinions, assumptions, assessments, statements, or the like regarding future events or which are forward-looking constitute only subjective views and beliefs, should not be relied on, and are subject to change due to a variety of factors, including fluctuating market conditions and economic factors.